0: Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. Thanks for listening in today. The COVID-19 pandemic brought with it a lot of pain points for hospitals, with extensive infectious disease protocols, patient diversion due to lack of bed space, and fatigued staff. But it also inspired measured creativity and interest in new ways of providing care, even if the inspiration and interest were somewhat forced. One alternative care model that saw increased interest during the pandemic was the hospital at home model. About 150 hospitals implemented these programs during the pandemic, and that was in part due to regulatory flexibilities for hospitals to provide intensive care at home for patients with certain conditions. I know what you're thinking. If you need hospital level of care, shouldn't you be at a hospital? Well, here with us to delve into this question and more is Catherine Prentice, who is the Director of Telehealth Services, Acute Health at Home, and Palliative Care for St. Bernard's Healthcare in Jonesboro. Catherine has been a nurse for 14 years, and she obtained her bachelor's degree in nursing from Chamberlain University. Catherine, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, so before we get to the more serious stuff, I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not working.
1: So I have um, two boys. So I have a 12-year-old and a 2-year-old. My 12-year-old has raced dirt bikes off and on since oh. he was 4 years old. <laughs> and now he's really into football and trap shooting. And I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of the trap shooting or the dirt bikes.
0: Interesting. <laughs> Hopefully both. Not not either one very, well, one probably safer than the other.
1: Probably but, so. Yeah, probably yeah. so.
0: Um. So I ask this of all of our wonky guests. What would you say is your theme song?
1: High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. That's a good one. (laughs)
0: That's a good one. I can just hear him. I've got a seven-year-old. I can just hear him in the back seat singing at the top of his lungs, that song. That's yes. a good one.
1: Yes, very upbeat. Yeah.
0: So, um, all right. When I think of hospital at home, I picture all the equipment in the room and the hospital bed and all the staff just like in a hospital. But is it like that at all, really?
1: It's really not. Um, you know, that's one of the beauties of hospital at home is they talk about whenever you need, whenever you're sick and you're ill, you really need to rest and heal up. And it's really hard to do that in the hospital with all that equipment and the hospital beds and the IV the poles and the noise and, <laughs> and all the things. So, you know, with hospital at home, we do have the equipment that's necessary to take care for of our patients. We do have a remote patient monitoring device. I mean, that's just a small tablet with um, blood pressure cuff, pulse. off. you know things like that so that we can monitor vital signs and then our nurses when our nurses go into the patient's homes they have a telemedicine device that allows our physician to see the patient and um, so we utilize both of those and we just uh, have whatever we need to be able to
0: take care of the patient and their needs and so the nurses go in the in the home and then they they get the telemedicine and feedback to a a physician Mm -hmm. are they are they in the home like all day long? Not all internet? day long. Okay.
1: Not all day long. So the, the patients do have access to the nurse 24-7. We have a a hotline phone line that they can call if they were to need anything. With our patient monitoring devices, the tablet that they have with that, we are able to dial in and have basically like a FaceTime call. Yeah. Um, with that patient, so they have access to nurses twenty four seven, but the nurses do only go into the home twice a day, unless okay. it's warranted for an additional visit or anything like okay. that.
0: So, w- what type of patient is this right for?
1: So we see a wide variety of patients. Um, we see, you know, COPD patients with our, you know, rice fields and agriculture. We have a lot of COPD exacerbations and things, and so we see a lot of those patients. Heart failure patients. Mm-hmm. Um, Any type of patient who has taken any type of antibiotics for an infection that they really need the IV antibiotics. It's Uh not. It's not really working well in the home, so um, we're able to do those IV antibiotics at home and, and monitor the patient. And we have some other patients like um, monitoring labs for electrolyte imbalances and things mm-hmm. like that.
0: But it, the, these patients have been in an inpatient setting, and there, it's kind of a step down, is that?
1: Some of the patients okay. have been in the in the inpatient setting. We are required to see the patient in the hospital, so they actually do physically have to go into the brick-and-mortar hospital. We do like a history and physical. and. Okay. Any additional, you know, imaging or anything while they're there, but we have taken patients from the clinic, taken them to the hospital, done that, done any imaging, and then we're able to take them home. Okay. So it, it really depends on the patient and their and what's going on with them.
0: So since you began this program, which was when three years ago, okay. How many patients have you served, and and what's been the response?
1: We have seen over four hundred and fifty patients. Oh. Um, And they all really like it. We do run into a few patients here and there when we go and say, hey, you know, we're going to be able to take you home and take care of you there. They're like, wait a minute. I'm not (laughs) so sure about this. Um, But then once we get them home and they get to sleep in their own bed, they are super thankful and happy to be home once they get there. It's just kind of that transition period with some patients.
0: So, yeah, this is it's relatively new, Mm -hmm. right? It's certainly new for, for you guys in the past now. Three, four years. Who's paying for this? I mean,
1: so we actually work under a CMS waiver, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Uh-huh. So we work under that waiver. So right now it is Medicare, Medicare Advantage, Medicaid paying okay. for it. We are hopeful that other payers will kind of uh, pick up and start helping us pay for those for their patients, but right. right now it's just those.
0: Okay, so the public programs. Um, how does technological improvement play a role in your ability to to really do this type of care because i can i can't imagine that like 10 years ago that this would have even been possible, but now it is, right? It
1: it really is. Um, With our remote patient monitoring devices, you know, that uses cellular service to Mm -hmm. upload um, any type of blood pressures or pulse oxes that the patient takes at home. So at any given time of day, whether we're there or not, we're able to pull that um, data up on our computers and see it. And then we can, like I said, FaceTime with the patient, check in with them. Um, If we're not able to reach them by phone for any reason, obviously, you know, technology is technology yeah. so sometimes a phone might <laughs> die and things like that so we can use that remote patient monitoring device and then and then the telemedicine equipment that we use for our physician to remote in and see mm-hmm. the patient that actually has a stethoscope with it which, oh wow yeah my husband thinks it's crazy he that loves is wild that, right <laughs> so um it has a stethoscope so i actually have a lot of physicians that use utilize these devices and they have a headset on, and they um, uh, many times think that they hear better with that stethoscope huh. when the patient's, you know, 40, 50 miles away wow. versus right there in the same room. So it, it is wild. Making
0: it possible. Yes. So um, St. Bernard's was, I, I think, the first and maybe only uh, one to to offer this service when, as you mentioned, CMS began giving hospitals regulatory waivers. Why did St. Bernard's just jump into this?
1: I think there are a lot of reasons. Um, The first and foremost, I think really St. Bernard's, one thing that I like, love, is that they strive to be on the cutting edge of technology Mm -hmm. and finding new and innovative ways to take care of our patients. You know, up in Jonesboro, We've got Jonesboro, which is kind of more urban, Mm -hmm. obviously not as urban as Little Rock or or Fayetteville Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, But it it is a little bit more urban. But we have a lot of rural hospitals and and towns around us that is making it more difficult for patients and caregivers to come back and forth to the hospital. So I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, And then also a lot of hospitals are having to close, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. uh, for financial restraints and things like that. So that's less and less places for patients to go, but those patients are still there and mm-hmm. they still need help and care. So whenever we're able to care for patients in the home and open up hospital beds for yeah. those more, more critical and unstable patients, then that's, you know, that's a great way to do it. And patients love it. Caregivers love it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the hospital, if you've ever been in a, in a cot or the recliner or something. It's not fun. It's it's not (laughs) fun. It's not comfortable. It's not the ideal scenario. You know, I'm from a rural town, 30 minutes outside of Jonesboro. I still live there. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was a kid having to drive back and forth to Jonesboro to visit my grandmother in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would take time and gas money and Mm -hmm. things like that for my mom and my family. So being able to bring that care home to the patient's home and to the caregivers, patients love it. It's yeah. way more, It's way better for the patients. Great
0: for families. Mm-hmm. So you have two other programs in your title. Mm-hmm. How does uh, telehealth and palliative care fit into that continuum of care?
1: So I actually, when I started at St. Bernard's five years ago, um, I came for telemedicine. That mm-hmm. was my primary role. And we have implemented a lot of different telemedicine programs over the past few years. One thing that Um, they talk about a lot is work, staffing, physician shortages, nursing Mm -hmm. shortages. And with our rural hospitals, sometimes that's difficult um, to find physicians to take care of those patients. So we have several different telemedicine um, programs that we work with telehospitalists. We have cardiology. We have um, behavioral health psych, um, pulmonology, all kinds of things to be able to kind of implement that. And then with our palliative care program, we utilize um, so our palliative care nurse practitioners, they actually go in the home, too. So I've actually got some nurse practitioners that do a little bit of the hospital at home and acute health at home, Hmm. as well as palliative care, because those those patients, you know, it's it's really difficult for them to get out Mm -hmm. many times because they're having a lot of pain or they're weak or things like that. So so we kind of. We are really working and focusing on bringing healthcare to patients versus patients having to come to us for yeah. healthcare.
0: That's a nice change. It yeah. is. Yeah. So, my last question for you for up and comers who might want to do similar work as you, what would be your advice? To keep pushing.
1: Um, you know, we have a lot of older physicians, a lot of um, Older patients, you know, just kind of set in their ways and, and patients and, and physicians think in order for patients to get hospital level care, they need to be in the brick and mortar of the hospital. And while sometimes that is absolutely the truth, yeah. you know, um, many times it's not. We can continue those IV Lasix and the monitoring of the labs and the patients are in the comfort of their own home, in their own bed, eating their own food. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, you know, these patients, while they're in the hospital, they are laying in the bed and they may just get up and go back and forth to the bathroom. So they're not necessarily getting that physical activity that they may need. And they're more apt to do that at home, hmm. you know, going back and forth to the bedroom or the bathroom or the kitchen and things mm-hmm. like that. And so just keep pushing um, kind of lay out the str- strategies and your thoughts and experiences because the experiences are, are the best part we've yeah. had um one of the very first patients that I did transfer to hospital at home they her and her husband had been married for like over 50 years and yeah. they had never I think two nights I think she said they had spent away from each other and so when I asked her if she you know. Would be willing to go home with hospital at home, she just started crying. Huh. And she explained to me that and it was, you know, it's 2022 so COVID was yeah. still really, really big. So she didn't want her husband to come to the hospital right. and risk him getting sick. So so being able to do that for patients and caregivers, um, is, is huge.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience and this new innovative way of taking care of people.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Walks at Work. The podcast is produced by the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement, and you can listen to more episodes on our website, achi.net. If you have a topic you would like for us to consider for a future episode, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, information and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.